Resnick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Welcome to episode 181 of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. Jason, uh, No Mercy is in the rear view. We're getting ready for Hell in the Cell. H- how you been doing? Um, doing well. Uh, work has been stressful. Um, uh, but yeah, looking forward to talking wrestling with you for sure. Very cool. So let's just start this right off the top. We were super excited or at least interested in the double main event for No Mercy, Cena versus Reigns and Brock Lesnar versus Strowman. Straight out. Do you- do you think it delivered, or do you think it underachieved? What was your thoughts on the double main event? So, first of all, I want to say my prediction was right on the money, where they made Strowman look great and dominate, and then Brock hit his finisher to win. So that match was kind of as predicted. Um, I don't think it was as good as, like, his Samoa Joe match. Um, so it was okay. I really didn't like the Cena-Reigns match. I thought it wasn't that good of a match. I really didn't. Uh, apparently Vince loved it, which is really all that matters. All that matters, but I didn't think the Reigns Cena match was great at all. I really didn't. Um, so, you know, but you know, it is what it is. Um, we predicted what was going to happen. You know, in terms of Cena looking so good on the mic and Reigns eventually winning. Um, you know, so really it was kind of as predicted. Did it deliver? Eh, 50-50. I thought the Strowman match was better uh, than the Cena match. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I I don't know if I like the formula. I understand what the formula is. There still appears to be the end game for WrestleMania is Reigns versus Brock. We all know that. I mean, unless something crazy happens and changes. But just like with Samoa Joe... It's just the I – I don't know if they're just trying to build the idea that the F5 is such a dominating move that he just has to hit it once and it doesn't matter who you are that it's over, you know, kind of making it one of these finishers like the one-winged one, you know, one winged angel with Omega, the you know, RKO, the RKO, the gotch pile driver and all these type of finishers that it doesn't matter who you are. If you get hit with it, you're That's done. Right. But, I mean, do you think this kind of – I know that the way they rebuilt Strowman back up the following night by killing Dean Ambrose and uh, Curtis, Kurt Hawkins. But the idea of, you know, you're making this huge thing, and just like anyone else, he just loses to 1F5. Do you think it's, not that it hurts Strowman, but it kind of, you would expect it more than just 1F5? Uh, I, I, I think the better term for it is stopped his momentum. And I think it did that. I think you could destroy half the roster, and it doesn't matter. The, losing a one F five is fine. Mm-hmm. Losing in general, though, is the issue. He had built this momentum. The fans wanted to see him win. We thought he should have won, and he didn't. And so, you know, that's really the issue. You know, it's funny because we talk about Vince listens to the fans, and you know, that's really the greatest kind of you know the, the audience is really the greatest teller of what he's going to do with this product. And time and time again, like, that does not appear to be the case, you know. Uh, he kind of goes by what he wants to go by, which is fine. He owns the company. But uh, time after time, he seems to just want to – he has a plan. He has something he wants to do, and then that's what he does, you know. So, I don't know. I think Sean will be fine from this, but um, I definitely think this hurts his momentum. He could beat Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and half the roster, but 
not winning the title after that have that momentum being built, you know, is going to hurt him a bit. And I wonder, what do you do with Strowman next? I mean, does he just go back to just beating everyone on the roster randomly and maybe someone, you know, a Joe or something comes back from injury or someone else comes in? I mean, I don't know what the – I understand that he's he's facing, you know, both members of the Shield. This week he faced Dean. Next week he's going to face Seth. But I'm trying to figure out what's the next step for him at uh, TLC, I believe, is the next Raw-only pay-per-view. Where do you go from here? I mean – Finn seems like he's sticking with uh, Bray Wyatt for the 400 straight time or something with Goldust if they go that direction. I mean, who's who's the next guy for him? It just feels like if he's not with Brock, who doesn't look like he's going to be there for TLC as of this point, where do you go? Cena's taking a vacation to do the Bumblebee movie. Are you going back to Roman again? I mean, what, where, where do we see this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good point. I'm not sure where they go, um, you know. Uh, Rain said he's going after the title. Strowman still wants to have another shot at the title. And the champions aren't going to be on their pay-per-view. So I'm not sure where they go. Maybe just a rehash. Maybe, yeah, maybe they do Strowman versus Reigns again for the 18th million time. Um, but not having the champion on the show, you know, is going to be an issue. Um, you know, I mean... You know, we, we heard the rumors about the Shield against the Miz which sounds absolutely awful to me. Um, so maybe that's something they do, you know, as, as a big match and then put Strowman on against, I don't know, some sacrificial lamb. But it, it, the positive, where they go is going to be interesting. This TLC might kind of be a throwaway pay-per-view. It really might be a throwaway show. And it's hard to, you know, to say any shows are throwaway is kind of like whatever, but we know some of these shows mean a lot more than others. So maybe that's maybe that's what this is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you? See, like, we can get in there right now. Miz, uh, Miz, and Jason Jordan seem to be you know have gone off the rails. Maybe that's done possibly. Hopefully, the Miz and the Misteraj versus possibly the Shield. To me, that feels like a TV main event. That doesn't feel like a even a B level pay per view main event. I mean, it feels like. If you're bringing back the shield for you know for maybe for for you know a ratings pop, I can see that. But should this most likely maybe be leading to Miz versus with you know maybe the the bar versus the shield, you know maybe something like that. I mean it just doesn't feels a little weird that if the possibility that you're going to have the Mistourage, who is at best a C level act right now, versus you know your returning shield, it just feels like. All right, uh, yeah. give me something else. I agree. I guess the one thing you could say is that, you know, it doesn't matter who they have. The Shield go against the fact that the Shield is returning. is such a big deal. Um, you know, maybe you could have The Miz and Strowman, and, you know, you have kind of a super team of heels. Um, Miz, Strowman, and, you know, take your pick of another heel against The Shield, too which would make their team a bit more formidable. So, I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could go with it. But if the champion is not going to be on the show, I mean, you got to figure out something for the main event. So, I, I think the Shield is a definite possibility. I mean, we, we both love, you know, Asuka, but Asuka, you know, the debut of Asuka cannot be your big selling point for TLC. Let's, let's be honest here, you know? No, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, and if the champion's not on your show, then you got to come up with something. And the IC title is not going to be the main event, so. I mean, you know, 
where do you see where do you see uh, Roman going from here? Do you think Roman? Do you think we're going to get – all right, let push comes to shove. Do, you, do we see this six-man main event, or does Roman do something else and you just have another rematch of the of the, uh, of the Shield sh- the shield without Roman versus the bar again? I mean, where, if, well, what not, do you I mean, think? I'm not Nostradamus, but um, I, if – because they haven't, like, really planted seeds. They kind of have – they're kind of all over the place with their storytelling, so it's hard to predict where they're going to go. Um, you know, but I guess if I had to guess with no, again, no champion on the show, reuniting the shield is kind of lazy, but it's convenient and it's easy. So, you know, that, and they need to distract Reigns for a couple of months from Brock if they're going to do this thing at WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or whatever. So if I had to predict, I'd say the shield, uh, reunites to go against the Miz and maybe two heels of his choosing. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a lot of you know interest for me, but you know we no, will see what happens. going to be pretty bad. I mean, I think I mean, you know, in terms of in terms of you know the matches will be fine, but in terms of interesting, unique matchups, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we will see what happens. The event's not until October twenty second, so we will see where that goes. Uh, moving on, anything else from No Mercy that really stood out to you? I mean. The women's match, I think, over-delivered. Uh, the tag team match, I thought, was brutal but very good. Uh, anything of those that delivered or something that really made you go, oh, God, why am I sitting here watching this, a.k.a. Enzo? No, uh, no I mean, it was, yeah, the Enzo match was whatever. Um, yeah, the, the, the show was fine. Um, the tag match was fine and the women's match was fine. Nothing, nothing. oh, my God, that was the best thing ever, but it was, it was fine. Right. I, I was really the thing that stood out to me was the Cena Reigns match, and I was very disappointed in that. But other than that, nothing really stood out to me very much in a you know negative, negative or very positive way. I'll just say Cesaro is one tough son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, you know that that stood out to me um, in terms of how how tough of a duty is. But um, you know, in terms of anything else, nothing really stood out for me. Right. Well, I I just like I said, I I thought the women's match. And not by default, but I thought the women's match was most likely the best match on the show, followed a close second from the tag team match. I was actually pretty impressed. Like, I, like you know, every once in a while we do say about Nia Jax, I think there are moments where Nia looks like she knows what she's doing and she has this monster. I think, Na- I think Nia really knows what she's doing. I think Nia has become pretty good. Um, her matches with Sasha Banks are the best matches Sasha's had since Charlotte. I think Nia Jax is... is very good. I think she's a lot better than Alexa Bliss. Um, I think, you know, she's a big woman, so obviously, you know, she's not going to be Sasha Banks in the ring, but for a big woman and, and how they, you know, build her up, I, I, I think she does a fantastic job. She needs to get more menacing on the mic, though. That's That she doesn't have down so good yet, but in, in terms of in the ring, I think she does a very good job. All right, uh, let's, let's get to what actually turned out to be the main event segment on Raw this past week. Enzo Amori turning heel, the double, I guess you could say the double heel turn of Enzo, and I guess the best... I, I guess mean, was the, it a heel turn? Did he turn heel on the wrestlers? Because the fans sure seemed to think it was didn't really taken as a heel turn. I, I don't know. I, I felt it was a heel turn. I, I No, I, I, no I, I agree with you um, that that's what maybe the intention was, mm-hmm. but... It, and it kind of came off like that, but then kind of didn't come off like that. 
he he more turned heel on the wrestlers than turning heel on the fans, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I felt like the fans were che- were were cheering uh, Neville by the end of that segment. I don't know if it was just because he was showing intensity, but I felt like people were more into Neville than they have been in the past. Which brings up a kind of interesting I, I, point here. As as bad as Enzo was in the ring. And it made me tune into 205 Live this week. I mean, I didn't watch it on Tuesday, but I did get a chance to, ch- to check it out. Enzo's terrible in the ring, but is he the right guy to be the champion of this show if people are going to care at all? Absolutely. They, you know, it's like Enzo said, and not for nothing. First of all, I thought the segment was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I know Jason Powell wasn't as big of a fan as some others, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the segment. And a lot of it's, you know, inside baseball stuff. We've been talking about 205 Live and how bad it's been forever. And they played on that, you know. And Enzo's right. He, they were in the main event segment on Raw because of him. Because he is the one guy on that show that the fans care about. You know, Neville being second, but way, 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 way down. Um, although Neville's been tremendous since oh, yeah. he came back from the injury. But still, the fans care about Enzo. And so, you know, it is what it is. Is he the right guy to carry the brand? I mean, probably. You know, I, I, I love so many of those guys in 205 Live. All those guys are really good in-ring workers, are really fun to watch wrestle, but the, they have not made them, the WWE has not made those guys mean anything. And because of that, they don't, they, they don't mean anything. And, you know, so Enzo was right in kind of what he said. So, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, yes, you have a guy who is by far the worst worker out of any of those guys, but the guy who the fans absolutely care about more than any of any of those guys. So for him to be champion, you said it yourself. The proof is, is, is you're the proof, right? When's the last time you watched 205 Live before this week? A couple of weeks minimum. I would guess the, most likely uh, the follow-up to the May Young Classic because, you know, I had the network on. Sure. Uh, by accident, basically. Yeah, by accident. Right? So, by accident you watched it. This You went out of your way to watch this episode. So, you're the proof that this is working and this is what they needed to do. So, did I watch 205 Live? No. But, <laughs> um, you know, this was... You are proof that giving Enzo the belt um, was the right is the right move. All right, so let's 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 talk about this for a second. I was just thinking about this as I w- so this may come out kind of weird, but it's interesting to me. The guy who is one of the most over guys in your company right now, as a babyface, selling merch is Enzo. They turn him heel. The guy who is most likely the most hated guy in the company right now, Roman Reigns, you're keeping as a babyface. John Cena was getting, for a long time, heel reactions. You kept him babyface. Do you think it's a little weird that the guys who are over as babyfaces, you turn heel, but the guys who, are o- who aren't over, you keep as babyfaces? I know that no, Reigns is at another level. I think that's but. a very general... I think you're super generalizing. I, I think with Enzo, it makes sense. Like, he's not good in the ring. And he came in a 205 Live and is kind of the star even though he's not going to ring and he needs to cheat to win because he's not as good as the guys. I think it's a perfect story. I think the story is 
you know, leaving Reigns and Cena aside, that's Vince just one of those guys to be baby faces. That's his thing. But in terms of Enzo, I think it's a perfect storyline. And, you know, I've ripped the WWE. We do all the time for their stories and stuff like that. But I think the Enzo storyline is perfect. He has a cheat to win because he's not as good as these guys. He's a star of the show even though he's not a good wrestler. He has a big ego and, you know, the whole locker room, locker room stuff and how they're playing that up. Um, I think it's the perfect story. So for him to be a heel makes sense. Now, I don't think they should have him completely turn on the fans. I think that's where they have to be careful. And you watch 205 Live so you can tell me. He did not mention the fans. He did not bury the fans. And I hope he doesn't do that. Because uh, I kind of want the fans to make up their own mind whether they still like him or not. Because mm-hmm. I think that would make things more interesting rather than him saying, you guys, you fans are stupid. You know, I, I'd rather the fans kind of, instead of telling the fans what to think, I, I want I want to see if the fans kind of make up their own mind, just, you know, how Enzo is cheating and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, WWE usually doesn't do that because uh, they, they always, you know, they think the fans are dumb, so they don't do that. But it'd be interesting to see if they did. Um but in terms of what you're saying as far as keeping some guys babyface and some guys heels, listen, Vince wants two guys to be babyfaces. He thinks Roman Reigns is The Rock, is John Cena, is, you know, he thinks that's what he thinks he is. And so that's that's what he's going with. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I don't think it's a fair comparison to compare Enzo to Roman Reigns because, I mean, they're not on the same level. I, I'm just saying, I just thought it was interesting, the idea of turn, people, the fans like somebody, so he turns them. Fans don't like somebody, keeps them. I just thought that was interesting for a second, but I, I hear your point there. Um, let's, uh, let's move on quickly. Your thoughts, do you care at all in regards to this quick feud of Alexa Bliss and Mickey James, or is it just a time filler until Asuka gets a win or two and she goes for the title? I think that was the best Mickey James has been uh, on the mic since she came back. Agreed. Yeah, I, I thought it was very compelling. Um, I thought it was really good and compelling. Um, I think it's an interesting storyline. I think Mickey James hopefully can help this woman in the ring. Um, yeah, so I, I, I actually very much was one of the things on Raw I enjoyed the most. And um, you know, Mickey James also looked just ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> but, Jesus. Um, but. Uh, beyond that, no, the segment was very good and um, very entertaining, and I'm glad that she's getting a shot. I agree, and I, and I think that they, I think they could put on a good match, not a great because, you, as you always say, Alexa isn't there yet. But uh, but Mickey can help her. I think they could, I think they could put on a passable match. I definitely yeah. think they could. And I think it's all a placeholder until Asuka, you know, is ready to be champion, and we'll and see if Nia does get the title before then. But. Uh, one of the, one of the, I think the biggest thing to come out of Monday Night Raw was actually something that did not air on Raw. And for the last, what, two or three months, the, uh, the Bullet Club centered, uh, centered around the, uh, the, the hardest working men in show business, basically, when it comes to independent wrestling, the Young Bucks, uh, doing this whole type of thing with cease and desist on their being the elite gimmick. And now it's basically it's come true. WWE did not like the idea that they were at Raw making fun of the whole DX invading WCW from back in the day. Uh, depending on what you what you want to believe, Dave Meltzer said that it looks like during that video where they were tell, asking fans, you know, why they were there, and a fan went and said, I, I basically got comp tickets 
didn't exactly make them happy. What's your, what's your thoughts on uh, all the stuff that went on, and do you think that this could hurt the Young Bucks or it actually helps them with even give, making them bigger with, you know, more notoriety? I'll take the latter first. I think it puts them over even more. I think it puts them over even more. Uh, now the WWE is battling this indie tag team. <laughs> Literally. So, I mean, right? They are the anti-establishment, right? That was DX's claim. That was NWO's claim and things like that. Like, now the Young Bucks literally are that. So now people who don't really, you know, WWE fans who just kind of know WWE, now they're really going to know the Young Bucks, right? So they're over even more than they were before. Uh, They came out with a new T-shirt called Cease and Desist. And uh, it censored the Too Sweet and everything. And it already was the number one shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. So like, they're over even more now. Um, and they can get even more traction out of this. So now as far as the, the whole thing, I thought it was fine. I thought it was funny. Like It wasn't like the funniest thing in the world. It was, you know, it was a spoof. I thought it was fine. Um, but, I, you know, I love that stuff in wrestling. You know, I love it when they, when, you know, these when people, when wrestlers do stuff like this, kind of outside the box. And um, and so, yeah, it was, you know, it was funny. I, I, you know, I just think the Bullet Club's put, get, being put over even more. Uh, so, you know, the Bullet Club, the Young Bucks, the whole thing. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, I, it's interesting that Vince got so mad about it. Um, and it makes sense that he would get mad because that's, that's Vince McMahon. Don't challenge him, things like that. But at some point, Corey, Vince has got to say, hey, listen, you guys are the most over tag team. I will give you whatever money you want to come to the WWE. So I can see eventually them being in the WWE as kind of the shield, essentially, where the shield with this anti-establishment, whatever. If the Young Bucks come in there, Corey, and as this anti-establishment and start super kicking everybody, and two sweeting, even though they're not two sweeting, they could be the biggest tag team in the WWE in years and years and years. So Vince, by doing all this, is creating a bigger star, which in turn may end up making him more money in the long run if he brings these guys in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. I, I thought the, uh, I, as I said before, I watch Being the Elite, you know, pretty much every episode. I find their antics pretty funny and kind of outside the box. It's an interesting look at professional wrestling from these independent workers. But it's just, it's, it's interesting what makes Vince crazy and what doesn't. You know, I mean, I thought the stuff that, I, I, I thought Cody came off looking good in that segment. I thought Marty Scroll looked good. I mean, I thought everyone looked good. I mean, I don't think it made WWE look low rent or anything. I just, I just think that they pushed a button that Vince didn't want to, you know, didn't want to deal with this week. And I... If I was the Young Bucks, I wouldn't fight this. I mean, you're going to waste way too much money in court trying to go and keep this keep the gimmick when they are so uh, entertaining. Are there any I, indications that they go into court? Well, if they're being, you know, the season, an actual season assistant, they want to actually keep the, the too sweet. I mean, they do have a case. I mean, I believe... Yeah, but, uh, hey, but uh, I think they've, 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 they've already come out with a T-shirt that says season assist, that censors the too sweet... I think they they don't have, they don't even need to go to court for this. I think they could come up with different ways to say it or to censor themselves from doing it. 
I think they can absolutely come up with different ways oh, to absolutely. Do it yeah. and still make it so. I haven't heard anything that they're going to challenge this or whatever. I don't think they should. I think they should just, because they're already over now so much from it that it doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, think about this. I don't know if, I, I don't think I ever brought this on the podcast, but when, when you're watching wrestling now, especially with the Mae Young Classic, every time there was a two count in a match, the fans were, were chanting too sweet. I mean, it is that that chant is more over now than it maybe it was, you know, during the NWO. So I mean, it is yeah, well, funny. It wasn't, you know, they didn't make it. They made it a big deal in the NWO, but I don't think it was to the level that you know that that these guys are now. Um, you know, it's, because it's so much more of a spoof now, and they're really just being funny and goofy. Um, whereas NWO were a little bit more serious, but yeah, it's more over now. It's so. It, it's it's anti WWE. It's kind of anti establishment. It's become the coolest thing in pro wrestling. Um, so yeah, there it's 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 insane how how over those guys are, um, and the Bullet Club in general. Yeah. Well, speaking of someone who should be really over but isn't anymore, and was a former member of the Bullet Club. Before we move on to SmackDown. What are, they gonna, what are they doing with Finn Balor? I love Finn Balor. I loved him when he was in New Japan, the matches I've seen. I, I really liked him at points in NXT. I thought he was interesting and fresh. But besides putting on the makeup, you know, basically twice and getting hurt, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's because he's feuding with Bray Wyatt and a feud that will never end, but what's going on with Balor? I mean, he's got to do something that makes him interesting. What's going on with them? I mean, he's, he's, his matches have been fine. He's still good in the ring. His promos, I think, have gotten better. I mean, he's in this never-ending feud. I mean, he, he, he hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, he's doing the best he can with, you know, what he's being given. But I just don't think the Bray Wyatt feud has been great. Um, we've talked about that for a while. So I don't think it's like, Finn Balor's not doing well. I think it's what they've given him has kind of not been great and he's making the making the best of you know what they've given him uh and so that it's really that to me more than anything so i don't know hopefully they you know apparently you know they, they're still going for this um you know this uh finn balor bray wyatt feud unfortunately so if they continue with that this that's what this is going to be but this isn't a finn balor is doing something wrong they oh, not- i mean they have to give him they have to give him some better stories, you know. When he first got there, then he won a title. You know, it was a, it was a big deal. And since then, you know, they've dropped the ball with him. So, you know, who knows? I mean, they, you know, guys go through this, right? They go through this transition of, you know, being in these meaningless feuds and things like that. And eventually, they heat these guys up again. So, you know, hopefully, they do that with him. Well, I guess the only thing I would say on that is, if they do do another uh, draft or some sort of roster expansion. He's one of those guys who I really feel would, would be helped by going to SmackDown. I mean, I, we spoke about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago about Nakamura, where has Nakamura really had an, an amazing match since, like, his first match in NXT? Has, besides his first, basically his first, like, two or three matches, has Balor had a spectacular match? I mean, all the guys who would put him with great matches, I think, are on SmackDown. The AJs, the, the, uh, <clears throat> the Nakamura's. The you know, you know, Steen and generic. I'm sorry, uh, Owens and Sami Zayn. I mean, all the guys who mostly wrestle the style that would make him really interesting are on the other brand. You know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, 
you know, uh, again, he's been fine. He hasn't had a great match in a while. Although I thought his Rollins match, you know, that he got hurt was a very good match. Yeah, that was um, what again, two years ago. But again, Rollins has that. You know, Rollins is, a, you know, one of the best workers in the company, and you know has that kind of set similar style to Sami Zayn or Sami Zayn um, to Finn Balor. So you're right. You know, um, uh, you know, it, it. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, he needs to get out of this Bray Wyatt feud, but right now there's nothing else for him. So it looks like they're going to continue. I mean, and the last thing on this, and we'll move along. I just think you know, if you're ever going to go do a Finn versus Brock Lesnar match, he's got to be in some sort of feuds quickly that at least make him seem viable. That's all I'm saying here. Fine. I mean, is that? I mean, or is he going to go against Brock Lesnar? I mean, that's. Or is he not really going to have a shot at that? So we've got to wait and see yeah. what they do with Bray, um, you know, after this Bray Wyatt feud. All right, so let's move on quickly to SmackDown. We're a week away from quite a few pay-per-views and other events. You know, we've got New Japan, we've got this, we've got that. We've got a lot of, you know, Ultima Lucha continuing. But we have Hell in the Cell. We know our main event is going to be uh, Owens versus Shane. I, the, I think this has been working well so far. And you know that we both love S- Sammy, but Sammy's not even on the pay-per-view at this point, but he's wrestling in main events. I mean, can we make Sammy at least seem relevant, you know? I mean, it makes yeah, I mean, me crazy. He's, fo- he's fodder for Owens. I mean, he's fodder for for Owens for this feud. Um, Maybe she just turned uh, heel. Jesus. No, I, I think, you know, I just... I don't know. Maybe at some point they'll heat him up. I, you know, we've talked about him so many times. I don't know, Corey. Um, hopefully they do something with him. I, I don't know. I, I I said on this very podcast, I think he's a future world champion. Um, and I think the fans still like him. I still res- think they still respect him. But eventually the fans are going to get worn out. You see it on roll with Sasha Banks and Bailey. You know, they, they, they lose all the time and you know, they, they never established them as, as, as real stars, and the fans kind of get worn out. How many times can you cheer for Sasha Banks to win the title and then lose the next week? You know, Sami Zayn, how many times can you cheer for him and he gets killed by Kevin Owens or by uh, Baron Corbin or by, you know, name the heel? So eventually the fans are going to get worn out, and, and hopefully they heat him up before, they, before the fans get worn out by him. You know, Dolph Ziggler, another example, the fans get worn out. How many times can you root for this guy only to have him lose time in and time out? So, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, I agree. What they've, I don't like what they've done with him. And SmackDown's like should be the perfect show for him. But this is the deal. You know, Sami Zayn should be the U.S. champ or fighting for the U.S. title. AJ should be fighting for the world title. You got, you got guys in the wrong spots. And I think, you know, that's been a big issue, too. Agreed. I wish I could disagree with you on that. Uh, so, like I said, we have one week before Hell in the Cell. How much are you into this Owens-Shane uh, feud? Did they hit their, you know, their, their apex too early with uh, the Vince McMahon attack? I mean, what's your feelings on one week away from this match? No, I think they've done a good job. I thought, um, although unfortunately Sami Zayn was a sacrificial lamb, uh, I thought it was, I, I, I liked what they did. Um, with it, um, with it, with you know, with their feud, with Shane coming out, and then Owens running away. So yeah, I think the feud's been good. Uh, the interaction with Owens and Zayn I thought was really interesting. 
uh, as well. You know, they always have great chemistry on the mic and in the ring. So, yeah, I think it's obviously the main event of the show. I think, you know, there's nothing else remotely close to as interesting as this as this match. Well, the tag team match, too. Um, so, other than that, I mean, those are the two main... Those, that's the main event, really, of the show. The tag team match and then the... Uh, the, the Owens match. Which, you know, which is a big step. I mean, having a tag team match in Hell in the Cell, I don't know if that's ever been done before. It, might, it may have. I don't remember that happening, but I think that's a pretty big step for these, the, you know, these five guys. I mean, I don't know if Xavier is healthy enough to be part of the match or not, but... I think I think it should be... I think the, it should be the world title match. I think world title match maybe should even start the show. You have the tag match, and then you have the Owens match. I think the main event should be the the tag match and the the Owens match, those are the two biggest, most important matches. To be honest with you, I you know I don't dis I don't disagree. I mean, the way things have been pushed and built, I honestly don't think we should have even had a world title match this uh, this pay per view. I mean, I know that the Singh brothers, even though from what I've seen from basically from when they were in you know the Cruiserweight Classic, I think they can they can work pretty well. I think this would have been the perfect time to get Nakamura two partners, and you had some sort of you know throwaway six man tag at this pay per view, with the end being Nakamura pinning you know Mahal is as the finish leading up to your next show. I mean, when I, you have, I guess it's you hard know, though not to have you know we we always talk about this with Brock you know the champion now on the show, uh, but I think it's hard to have the champion on the show, the world champion not defending his title. I mean that's. You know, and I know they do that at like the Survivor Series and stuff like that, but I think that's a that's I think that's tough. I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been interesting to do that. You know, could even you know give American. I mean, would it really have been interesting? Would you really have given a shit about that match? Well, I think if you ended it the way I said, with the idea of the reason why he's getting another title shot is because he pinned them in the in the six man. I think that would at least build to something. And I mean, but you know, the problem also is, and we say this week after week, Mahal has gotten better on the mic, and I mean, still not very good in the ring. But I mean, he's not the guy who should be your world champion. He's not. And so, but I guess the question is, and would you want Mahal is not good on the mic, like he's not. I think he's gotten and better, ring, and he's yeah, I think he's below average on the mic, and I think he's even worse in the ring. Oh, I agree with that. Okay, and, and so, and then you have. Uh, Nakamura, who doesn't speak the English language, uh, or he does, but not so, not so well, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, uh, my question for you would be: Okay, they do the six-man match. Jeez, do we want this feud to continue? I mean, after Hell in a Cell, let, let's move on to something, anything. Put the put the title up in a tournament fashion. I don't know something. <laughs> um, I guess another point. I'm a, I'm a double no contest and strip ball the title. <laughs> I'm so I really have so little interest in this feud. I, it's, it's unbelievable. I agree. Um, I mean, and, I just, but the way they've built it up, that you know, they've they've made Nakamura look like crap. They've made fun of him. You know, all this other other stuff. I mean, they've built it up so that Nakamura is going to win the title. Yeah, I mean, that's I was the way say they, that. You know, that's when they build up these feuds. Usually, the one who really gets the upper hand in promos wins the match. Now, I don't think Nakamura is going to win the title, but you know he's definitely not looking good in this. You know, in the lead up to it. I I totally agree. Uh, other things on SmackDown that caught my eye. Not, I didn't think it was a terrible match, 
but I didn't think it was anything special, which kind of scares me on the idea if and when they put the title on Carmella, is she going to be able to be good enough in the ring? I know that we're dealing with it right now with our male, you know, world champion, but I think she's going to get the title at some point, but I was not particularly enthralled by Charlotte versus Carmella this past week, and I think that's going to be a feud coming out of whenever she does win the title. Yeah, I mean, again, you got Bliss who's a champ, but who's not great either, so uh, Carmella has gotten a lot better on the mic. Um, and she's a very good athlete. So, you know, the hope is that she'll she'll continue to improve. You know what I mean? Uh, it's going to be hard for having to, you know, be out there every week in a wrestling match as the champion. Uh, but the hope is that, you know, like Bliss, who I think has gotten better, the hope is that, you know, Carmella improves in the ring and she's already good on the mic. Um, I think, um, although she's not great in the ring, similar to Alexa Bliss, I think she's a, you know, compelling character for sure. And so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll ride with that and, and hope that she gets better in the ring. Well, let's hope it turns out better than I think it will. Uh, let's talk about my favorite segment of the week. Unfortunately, no uh, fashion police this week, but we had Rusev. I don't know. Maybe you thought – I don't know what you thought of the segment, but I, I absolutely it was, I loved it. So 1980s old school. I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, the only thing that's it's funny that you think about this afterwards, so Ori beat him in 10 seconds. He, Rusev beat him in nine. So what is the next match going to be eight seconds? I mean, I... Yeah, that, I, part, was, that part was whatever. Uh, that's another argument. But the actual, like, the actual segment itself was... was brilliant. Uh, with, with, with English singing and... Oh, so oh, good. It was, I thought it was so old school. I think Rusev is so good, man, and so underutilized. It was great. It's you know, it's the small things that make you happy every week. You know, it's, uh, absolutely. It was just it, it was just very like nineteen eighties old school. You know, this delusional heel who thinks he's the greatest thing ever with this fake you know fake government official and Aiden English making a song up for him. I, I thought it was great, like. To me, like that's what wrestling needs more of, like that kind of goofy, goofiness, but still pretty funny. Uh, you know, not taking itself too seriously. But you have Aiden English, who obviously has a great voice, and he's he's funny too. And then Rusev, who I think you know is a big this podcast is a big fan of. I think he should be champion of, the, of SmackDown. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was. I thought it was great. And um, uh, I thought they did a good job with the segment for sure. And uh, just I think what made it even funnier was at the end when they came back from commercial, Randy Orton goes up to uh, Renee Young and goes, you know, just let him know if you want the match, I'm good with it. And just want to say, happy Rusev Day. I just thought <laughs> at, at times Randy can be really dry, but I thought that really worked <laughs> and it was funny. And, you know, Shoddy has a little bit of a sense of humor at times. So, I, mean, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good segment. Again, their match will be more of a throwaway match at the at the pay per view, but um, you know. But and Corey, that's the thing, right? We talk about this a lot. You're gonna have feuds between two guys, and you got to figure out some conflict between the two. If there's not a title involved, you know, this is a way to do it. Everyone was complaining when Rusev lost in eight seconds, and you know now he won in nine seconds and whatever, and got his kind of mojo back. Um, Sometimes you've got to figure out, you know, conflict between two characters and, and how to do that well. And, you know, I think they did a solid, I think they've done a solid job with Rusev and Orton. 
of these two guys who don't have anything else going on, making them relevant, making their their segments entertaining. And they definitely did that this week. Absolutely. And I'm just going to say this quickly. You don't even have to comment on it. Okay, we've got Bobby Roode versus Dolph Ziggler. We'll see you at Hell in the Cell. Works for um, you? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't understand how Bobby Roode's a baby face, but whatever. Go ahead. Agreed. So at, um, least we, at least we won't have any more Dolph Ziggler impersonating entrances segments, I don't think. Yeah, I, I hope I hope you're right. I just, God, I hope you're right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, our favorite topic to talk about pretty much every week: uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, for, the, for the next three weeks, we got three more weeks to talk about them. Three or four, yeah. Um, what was your th- What was your thoughts of Hell of War? I believe the match was called. Yeah. It was. If you're not a fan of hardcore wrestling and that stuff does not do anything for you, I can see how you might have been turned off by that. But I thought it was a really well done match. The only thing that bothered me, and I, I'm good. I know a broken record. I didn't like the unprotected chair shot that was during. There was one of those during the match. But besides that, I thought it was a really well paced match. I thought that. I thought the announcing was good for it. I thought everything really worked in that match, and that's one of those matches that we, we'll mostly forget about. But at the end of the year. That could be one of the on the short list for non New Japan matches for match of the year, at least in my opinion. I mean, for the announcing was fine. I thought it was a little over the top with the war. They're in the war. They're brothers in the war. It's like Stryker sometimes gets over nerves. But, Only sometimes. <clears throat> but the match itself was absolutely insane, and I agree with you as far as a match of the year candidate. I mean, it was one of the top, one of the top. Matches, top violent matches. Usually, I don't like violent matches. I think they come off too much. They're doing too much during them. But I think, as far as a violent match, this was one of the best of those kind of hardcore matches that I've ever seen. Um, I thought these guys murdered them, <laughs> killed themselves for this, and um, it was a great match. It really was. The right guy won. Um, I think. Um, Although maybe Fox should have, maybe Fox should have won just because if he's the one that got left by kill shot, you know, whatever. Right. But kill shot's been there longer and more established, whatever. But no, I thought I thought their match was absolutely insane, absolutely incredible. Um, and I mean, even the fans were like, "What the? Like, what is this? This is this is beyond crazy." What what was happening in that ring? And, and those guys absolutely putting their bodies on the line. Um, yeah, it was a great, great match. I mean, you would have loved when the ratings came out that more than, you know, like 100,000 people saw it. I mean, which has to be a disappointment. It was one of the lower-rated episodes of Lucha Underground in the last couple of last couple of yeah. shows since they've returned. I mean, what, 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 what did they get, like 120, 160,000? I mean, who knows what? I mean, to me, the ratings are, are not, at this point, it is what it is. I mean, the difference between 20,000 people you know, it's not really a big deal. Talking about the ratings to me is kind of, it, it's pointless at this point. The show may not last. Yeah. They're not in a lot of homes. You know, the difference between 20,000 people is, to me, that's, you know, that's a kind of negligible difference. So, I don't know. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, and you wish this match was on a bigger stage because they did do so much. I mean, but yeah. I mean, I, that, I, I mean, that I agree with, you know, but I mean, it is what it is. Like, this is why this. This is why this. You know, this, these are probably the last three weeks we're ever going to get a Blue Chart Underground because 
they haven't figured out a way to get on the bigger stage. They haven't figured out a way to get more eyeballs on their product. Um, they haven't figured out a way to monetize their product better. And so this is this is what it's going to be. But let's, instead of complaining about why, you know, what it isn't, let's mm-hmm. talk about what it was. And, you know, that was a fun match. That was a tremendous, tremendous match. So let me ask you this. If there is a season four, do you think that either Fox or Killshot can be elevated, and I know it's a TV show, so it's not. They don't look at it as a wrestling, wrestling promotion as much, from what I've heard and read. Do you think one of these two guys can move up to a next level if there is a season four, or do you I think mean, they're we just? Gotta, be- record, we got to see if there's a season four. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I really feel like speculating on any of this before we find that there's a season four. I, you know, I guess it, you know whatever. I think Killer Shot's going to be a guy they they want to see more out of and they do more with, but mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, we we don't even know if there's going to be a season four, so okay. it's kind of t- it's tough to talk about, really. Can I give my one nitpick of the week for Lucha Underground quickly? Go ahead. And this is a true nitpick. I understand that, and I understand this was taped a year ago. But when you have Triple Mania, and Dr. Wagner Jr. loses his mask, and it's a huge deal, and then a couple of weeks later, on Lucha Underground, which you would think it's the people- two separate show, Corey. It's a separate show. Tejano was like the world, like a world champion in AAA, and then in Lucha Underground, he's like was barely any. He's fighting for the title in in, Lucha, in uh, AAA, and in uh, Lucha Underground, he's you know losing to uh, you know a manager. It's two different shows. It's two different shows. It's not the same show at all. They're different shows. The characters on the show are different. Um, Mill has a mask. So are we saying Mill doesn't have a mask, has a mask on this one, doesn't have a mask on this one? Like, what are we talking about here? This, it's two different shows. It's run differently. The champions are different. On Well, the champions are actually the same now. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't originally, you know. So, I mean, I, I don't know, Corey. I think, that, I think that's... Oh, I, I was I was saying it was a nitpick. I was absolutely saying it was a nitpick. I'm not yeah, saying it's a big it's thing. A, it's an ab- the show was taped a year ago. I know. I mean, not, if that if that were the case, it'd be the same guys fighting for the title on set on both shows, mm-hmm. which they're not doing. So to me, it's 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 two separate shows. Agreed. I just thought it was something that just it caught my eye for a second. So I'm just gonna make the comment. That's all. Not not a big deal. All yeah. right. So uh, I think we've reached that point in the show where. Uh, you can let people know how they can follow me and the show on uh, all our social media platforms. Sure, but before I, I do that, I want to I want to say uh, as far as Cena goes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So lot, we didn't get to talk about this last week, and um, Cena was on the Edge and Christian podcast talking about how the guys are not, you know, uh, fighting for their spot, and they're not. What do you think about that? About about Cena kind of calling out guys again, saying that they just go with whatever Vince tells them, and they're not fighting for, you know, to get their to make their storylines different. Um, do you think that? Do you think that there's a point to what he's saying in terms of, um, you know, the wrestlers in the back, not uh, whether it's trying to get more airtime or. You know, trying to make their stories more impactful, or you know, those type of things. Do you think that there's some truth to that, and guys just have a storyline written for them, and they just go with the story and don't try to change things up? 
Absolutely. But you know, but when he keeps on saying it over and over again in all these forms, he said it on the Steve Austin podcast. He, I believe he has said it, I believe, with, uh, with Chris Jericho. He might have even, I don't know if he's been on the JR podcast, but if he was, I'm sure he said it there. After a while, it almost sounds like this is something that he, that's a Vince McMahon thing that he's almost, not that he's told to say this by Vince McMahon for just as a person of, if Vince isn't saying it doesn't seem as harsh, but he, he has said this multiple times and it almost feels like a broken record. Should these guys be more proactive? Should, should guys go up to creative and say, I've got ideas, just not what stories you have for me? I mean, if you listen to any of these, uh, the MLW podcast or any other podcast that has former writers on it, they all say that, you know, guys, they, they would like guys to come up to them and bring up ideas for stories. But, you know, if you're not going to do that, too bad. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, oh, I would hope that, you know, someone like Owens, who's very involved, it appears like, does that. I mean, CM Punk, I think, did that. I remember listening to something C said. If, you know what, a guy like Cena can say that as much as he like, but if nobody wants to listen, screw him. You know, I mean, I love the business. I hope everyone does well. But how many times can you be the broken record saying, I'm not going to be here forever. You guys have to step up and show you care. If they're not going to show, show up and say they care, then you know what? Let them get what they get. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, you know, and, and I think saying that Cena was saying this, too, because he knows that his time is, is, is winding down. Um, I think what we've seen the last of John Cena as a full-time performer in the WWE. Um, I think from here on out, he's going to be more of a part, you know, just a part-timer. I think he is now a part-time wrestler. So, and maybe that's why he was saying this as his kind of swan song. Um, but I, I, you know, again, we don't know what's happening in the back. We don't know what guys are saying. Um, and he's put this message out there quite a bit already. Uh, but I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that he's, that he's at least putting this out there again. And hopefully, guys, take his take take his what he's saying, you know, to be legit. And they they say okay, they, they take what he's saying, um, and they use they they push it, and they they do something about it. So and, we'll see what happens. And, let, and let's be honest here. And we haven't brought this up on the podcast. At least I don't think we have. The idea of you know when you look at the 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 uh, the pictures that have come out from SmackDown over the last couple of weeks, ever since he's gone over to his exclusive guy for Raw. We, we see that these guys, maybe because they don't do their own, you know, gimmicks and not talking, you know, standing up, the, the, there's no one going to these SmackDown shows, you know? I mean, the minute he left, the ratings have gone down for the most part on SmackDown. The audiences have gone down. Maybe these guys have to take what he's saying as gospel and figure out a way to make themselves mean something and not just be the yes-men that apparently, you know, Cena's basically saying everyone is of, not not stepping up to the plate and saying, I've got an idea. It might be stupid, but you know what? Let's throw out this idea. Let's throw out another one. And maybe one of these, you know, sticks to the wall. I mean, you sit well, there and you look the, at it. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing about SmackDown is you're building a show around a guy who can't talk or wrestle as your champion. I mean, he can talk, but not great. And he's not good in the ring. And you're building your show around this guy. I mean, I think... I really, I really think that that's the biggest issue. But yeah, but the correlation of the idea that Cena is no longer there, and then basically audiences left, Cena's still the biggest star in that company. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So let's see how it goes. And you know, Brian Alvarez talked about this. One last thing, Brian Alvarez talked about this. You're starting um, to sound like me. Observer. Um, you know, 
as far as Reigns taking over for Cena as the guy, as the, the flagship. Now, they've tried this a couple of times with him. Um, they, they keep trying, and the audience keeps kind of rejecting it. So let's see let, let's see how this goes, you know. Um, Vince so badly wants him to be the guy. And, you know, let's see it. Let's see if that, that's what it turns out to be. All right, so take two. You want to let everybody know how they could follow us on uh, social media? Or do you have another subject this week? Uh, absolutely. We are uh, uh, at work to shoot pod on Twitter. Corey's at Paladin808. You can check out our website, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash work shoot podcast. Check us out on iTunes at the work shoot podcast. On Stitcher, we are the work shoot wrestling podcast. And look us up on Facebook as well. We have a page in the group. Just type in the work shoot podcast or the work shoot wrestling podcast and you will find us. Very uh, cool. All right. Uh, and uh, as always, last subject of the day. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but I was supremely impressed by the, the last of the three uh, New Japan shows, destruction shows. Uh, Kenny Omega is, we, we've said this over and over again, Kenny Omega is a star. People came out to see him. Him and Juice Robinson had a, a superb match. I know that you're not a huge Juice Robinson guy, but every time Juice Robinson has gone up against a guy who is above his level, he has stepped up. You can say that's the whole Ric Flair situation where, you know, he can wrestle a broom to a decent match, but Omega and Robinson both worked really well together, and I thought they had another really, really good match, and I really do think Juice Robinson is stepping his game up. I did not get to see the match. I, I will definitely check it out. Um been busy, you know, this week, but yeah, I will. I will definitely check it out. I think Juice Robinson was solid in a G one, and you know he's a good athlete, uh, so he's got potential. And you know, Kevin Owens has talked about how you know how much he likes him personally and how much the business really means to him. And for him to get released from the WWE or ask for his release and go right to Japan and you know continue to try to get better says a lot for him. And so you know, I wish that guy uh, all the success in the world. He's not bad in the ring at all. I think I just think he I think he's not great, but you know he's got potential. So you know, and he's wrestling the best wrestlers in the world. So if he's going to get better. You know, these are the guys to get better against. Agreed. Uh, and on the New Japan front, quickly, just to let people know, uh, apparently it's official now. Uh, MLW at least said, thought they had reported this months ago, but Cody Rhodes has signed. A multi-year deal for uh, to be exclusive domestically for Ring of Honor. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Where we've always thought that you know he'd be on the Indies for a year or two, maybe work his way back to WWE. But now, just like the Young Bucks, uh, he's going to be on the Independence for at least another couple of years. Young Bucks will be on for I think until 2019, but officially hasn't come out. But from what people have said, this is most likely like a three-year deal. What's your thoughts on Cody? sticking with the independence and not, you know, going back to WWE right away. I mean, they must be paying him a lot of money. <laughs> That's my first thought. You know, um, th- there are rumors that this is the most lucrative deal that any wrestlers ever signed at Ring of Honor. Um, so, yeah, they must have given him a backed up, backed up the Brinks truck for him, which they haven't done for, like, anybody. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. They, they're losing all these guys, uh, but they figure out, uh, when they want to keep someone, they, they give them the money. So I think that's an interesting thing. Good for Cody. You know, he's busted his butt to get to this point. And, um, 
you know, and, and now he's with Ring of Honor exclusively making a, a you know, nice chunk of change. So good for him. I still think he'll be back in the WWE after having some success in New Japan and Ring of Honor. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how, how, how this goes for him. Absolutely. So, uh, like always, just want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we will should be back uh, next week for another show with a big weekend. So this is the calm before the storm. This weekend, no wrestling shows. Next weekend, we have Hell in a Cell. And then the following morning, we've got Kings of Pro Wrestling for New Japan. So enjoy not having to watch any wrestling until Monday. But next week, the wrestling hats go on because we've got quite a few events that are going to be on. So, Jason, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, I think the floor is yours. I think we're done here. See ya.